All right, good morning, church. Let's just jump in. You know, we're all called to mission. To be a Christian means that we are called to live for God and for his purposes, especially in this area of not only loving God, but loving our neighbors around us. And we are called to do this, every single one of us, to intentionally shape our lives in a way that we live for him and what he's called us to do. And when you meet people like this, it's just, it's so encouraging, it's humbling. I want to just introduce you to one couple in uh, Japan. Here's a little picture. His name's Sunail Otamo-san and his wife Mariko. You know, I met them in 2013 for the first time. They're retirees. They had successful businesses and they did really well. In 2011, they lost their home in the tsunami. The government gave everyone that lost the home a, a large chunk of money based on the size of their home that they lost. And so what they decided to do with that money was to build a home in their hometown. And the reason why is because there is a large contingent of people that never heard the gospel in their hometown. So they built this home, and we got a chance to go and visit. And that home, it's their kitchen and living space. It's just one open area. And you're like, well, in America, of course, open concept. That's of course. you got to do that. But in Japan, it's, it's not like that. It's like small compartmentalized areas. That's usually how the home is. But they have a home where it's kind of a large middle area. And the reason why they did that is because they intentionally wanted to have a home church service in their house. So they built their house in such a manner where they can gather people from their neighborhoods to share the gospel. They have a huge garden in the backyard. It's impressive. They're like, come, eat my tomato. And I was like, all right, I'll eat your tomato, right? So we went out in the back. It was impressive. I, I kid you not. It was amazing. And the reason why they did that is not so much because they love organic fruit. I'm sure they do. But it was a way for them to have fruit and vegetable to invite people from the neighborhood to come to build relationships. They are retired from their jobs, but not retired from their calling in the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, it's nothing spectacular. It's just being faithful and available. Church, we live in Orange County, very affluent. We have so much. God has blessed us in so many ways. I'm not saying our, our lives are perfect, but the question really we have to wrestle with is, are we living missionally? You know, you can simply think, Pastor John, that's for the young guys, you know, that are passionate. They have a lot of time. Uh, they, they'll do that. Or it's, it's for you professional Christians, right? That's what we pay you to do. And you might think to yourself, like, Pastor John, you're asking us to try to change the world. I can't even change myself. Like, take my family to missions? How about trying to bring them to church on time, right? Let's start there. And here's the thing, is when we start thinking about this idea of being missional, I think sometimes the voice of inadequacy can start creeping up into our hearts and minds. Like you start thinking like, who am I? Like, I mean, who am I to tell people what they should be doing? And then we can start to believe a lie, which is, God cannot use people 
like me in the world of evangelism? Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever feel this way? If you do, this passage this morning is so important for you and I. Because in our passage this morning, Paul is literally saying there is an inadequacy to his witness. And yet, he still goes. And so, two points for us this morning in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. It is the inadequacy of our witness. Let's read. It says, And I, Paul, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What a confession. Paul it was lacking in his speech and his speaking presence. This is not him having some sort of false humility. This is literally who he was. If you read his other epistle accounts, he does mention this quite a bit. In 2 Corinthians 10.10, he is quoting people that talk about him, and this is what he says. He says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak. Man, that's tough, right? Can you imagine being a speaker or a preacher, and they're like, you know what? His letters are good. In presence, weak. Like, that's tough, right? And then it goes on and he says, and his speech of no account. I can't remember a thing he said. Think about how difficult that must have been to be called as a leader in the church. But I want you to know something, and this is Paul's point here, is that our limitations and our inadequacies, they never trump God's power and effectiveness in our witness. Amen? All right, I don't know, are you not awake this morning? Uh, I feel a lack of energy. We saw a good video. Like, amen, right? Like our limitations and our inadequacies, sometimes that gets to focus. We highlight it so much and we focus on what we do not have when we have a God that can demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power through us. What's interesting is this is God's plan. If you look at, uh, I put a little quote there for you from J.D. Greer. You can look at that green sheet. I love what Pastor J.D. Greer says. He says, you see, feeling inadequate is not a hindrance to being used by God. It's actually a prerequisite to being used by God. This is always God's plan. Notice first whom Jesus did not pick for his disciples. He doesn't choose to carry the gospel into the world. Any single Pharisee, Sadducee, spiritual elite person, he chooses uneducated, common folk to do the work. Let that sink in. They were so ordinary in Acts 4.13. This is what it says. 
Okay, check this out. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, two of the disciples, and perceived that they were uneducated and common men. Do you know that term common men in the Greek? You know what that word is? It's the word idiotes. What does that sound like? It's where we get our English word, idiot. These were the people chosen by God to carry the gospel into the world. My friends, we are all called to mission. And like uh, you know, our dear brothers and sisters shared, it doesn't mean you necessarily need to get on a plane and go. Because we have people around us right now that God has placed into our lives that don't know the saving love of our maker. And it's not that we have to do something crazy, spectacular, or charismatic. We need to be available and faithful. And we are all called to go in spite and due to our weakness, flaws, and deficiencies. You might be like, Pastor John, I am an introvert. That's good. God can use that, right? You're like, Pastor John, I'm so shy. Good. God can use shy people too. You might be like, well, Pastor John, I lack Bible knowledge. Well, that's not technically good, all right? Okay, so that you should improve on that, okay? But you get the point, right? The point is... Sometimes we focus so much on what we are not able to do that we just think to ourselves this lie, which is that God cannot use me. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that is just not true. You know, we were kind of making fun of him a lot on our missions trip, but we had a brother, Alex, on our team, Shiogama. And I just want to tell you something about him. He got baptized this year. He signed up for missions, first mission trip, and we went. And granted, he was doing some funny things on the mission trip, okay? But here's the thing. God was using him to share his love with a person that just got saved recently. And look, I want you to look at the people next to you. Like, look them in the eye. You have been in the church. Can you count how many sermons or Bible studies you've been to? At least count today. You have one. But I'm willing to bet that there's multiples and multiples of things that you've participated in. Meaning, God has equipped you to a certain degree. And not only that, but the Bible tells us that we are all gifted in some way. And so God can use us even when we lack in other ways. I like one pastor who says evangelism or missions is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's us just simply going and just sharing life and being available. Friends, we are called to mission not because you're perfect, 
not because you're a great speaker. It's because there's good news to be shared. And that we have been given this wonderful privilege to share that and to be a light in this world. Point two, the power of God in our, our witness. Okay. If you read verse four again and verse five, Paul goes on and he says, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. You see, when we lack, there is a clear demonstration of the Holy Spirit and God's power. Okay? So that, in verse 5, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. You see, faith is the defining mark for what makes a Christian. And what Paul is saying is that when we rely upon our skill, intellect, charisma, and talent alone, then we might, for some odd reason, get the highlight and the glory. And he's saying, but when we lack, as he does, then it's a demonstration. So when God uses him, it's a clear demonstration that it's not Paul, but it is God demonstrating his power through Paul. And so that, ultimately, the faith is in the right place. It is in God, not on the skill of men. And that's what Christianity is about. We don't want people coming to our church because they like Pastor Steve's sermon. They come so they hear faithful preaching of God's word and they see that God is working through the pastors here. So that you are transformed by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and his power. Because the Bible is clear. We can water, we can plant, but guess who brings the growth? God. If you look at 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, it says this. I planted Apollos water, but God gives the growth. So neither he who plants nor who he waters is anything, but God who gives the growth. The power of God is demonstrated when we are lacking. And so the credit goes to God and not to us. You know, um, at the end of our, our Shogama missions trip, uh, we had a Sunday service together. We had a small service. And, you know, I asked them, we turned to John 4, and I asked them, hey, I want you to think about the greatest missionary in the Bible, in the New Testament. Besides Jesus, who comes to mind? And so our team was just kind of discussing who they thought. And so they were, you know, Paul and Peter and, you know, Barnabas. And so some of these names were coming up. You know who was not mentioned? In John 4, there is a story about how Jesus meets this woman at the well. And this woman is at the well at the hottest time of the day because she's an outcast. She's an outcast because she has a bad reputation in the community because she's had multiple husbands. And during the discourse with Jesus, this all comes to light. 
But you know what the craziest thing about this narrative story is this. She finds out that Jesus is truly the Messiah. And then in verse 39, it says something very interesting. It says this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him, believed in Jesus, because of this woman's testimony. She shared, he told me all that I ever Isn't that crazy? A whole town was transformed. And God used not some spiritual elite person, but a, a woman who has been struggling because of the inadequacies in her life. God uses her to bring the gospel to this community. Here's the thing. It's the demonstration that God always can use whom he chooses because that's God's plan. We've been studying 1 Corinthians, and I want to remind you, do you remember, I think Pastor Steve preached on this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 through 29. This is God's strategy always, right? It says this, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of normal birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God's strategy is simple. I want people to know who I am. So he uses people that are flawed and inadequate. He saves them, fills them with grace, and empowers them to go into the world. And when they do amazing things in his name, he gets to glory. And church, that is the privilege that we have to participate and to make his name famous in this world. And once again, it's not because we are gifted or talented, but it's simply because with whatever little we bring to the table, God can use it. You know, um, Daniel shared about Robert and Roberta. I want to share a couple pictures, okay? So... If you take a look here, I took my family to Chiogama in 2016, okay? So I, one of the trips, they were like, Pastor John, we want to invite you into our home because we have two girls in the neighborhood. Uh, they want to just practice speaking English with you. We've been reaching out to this family, and, and they have two girls, and we want them to come to church, and so it would be nice for you to spend some time with them. We're like, all right, cool. So I show up, and I don't know if you can tell, but they're like 13-year-old girls, Okay, so at first I was like, wow, oh, this is interesting. But they have been reaching out to these two girls because they were kind of neglected by their families because their parents were so busy working. And so they were opening up their home, intentionally setting aside dinner, inviting them in to just build 
relationships so that hopefully they can establish a long-term relationship and get them into the church. So one day they'll just be like, man, these people are just really nice. There's something different about them. Now, we just went back. This is the other picture. So we just went back. Same thing. They're like, hey, Pastor Sam. So me and Pastor Sam's daughter, Sophia, we went. And to be frank, I was super tired. I was jet lagged. So we got there. We're eating katsu. And I'm like zoning in and out, right? You know how you feel. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I look at Sophia, and she's kind of zoning out, right? And so we're trying to go through this dinner. And, and you know, the amazing thing about this is that these families, they don't know Jesus. And Robert and Roberta, they're wonderful, but they're not doing anything spectacular. They just open up their home. They invite people over. Hey, I want you to, your kids to play with my kids. Hey, why don't we go to the beach together? Hey, come over. You know, we got some fresh vegetables. We'd love to have dinner with you. To build relationship and to have intentional missional lives. I think sometimes we think missions and all these things, we think it's like kind of spectacular. You got to do and all this stuff. I got to wear a Hawaiian shirt. Like, I don't know if I'm all ready for that. But I want you to know something. God is just asking us with the little that we have to come to the table and say, God, would you use it to make yourself known? This morning, the takeaway isn't, hey, praise God. Of course, praise God for our teams. But the takeaway is, praise God. I want more people around me to know the amazing love of our maker and savior. God, would you use me and my family? The little that we have. Yes, we're inadequate in so many ways. God, would you use it to make yourself known? Right? Because to be on that journey, there is no greater privilege than joy. Let's pray together. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, famous words, Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Jesus, I thank you that you have saved us. We are not deserving of your love or grace, but we've experienced it. How could we not share this amazing good news. And that truly is your calling for your bride. And yes, there are times we feel insecure or inadequate, but we want to remember that you can use us in spite, because even of our inadequacies and shortcomings. So help us to walk into maybe even 
scary world of trying to reach out to those that are around us. Because we want to be missional, we want to be intentional, but we need your help to do that. So Holy Spirit, come and continue to chip away so that we would be available and faithful to this call. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.